Welcome to Staffing Reel, S.J. Hemley Marketing's podcast for everything staffing. This podcast is a labor of love as we've been wanting to roll out a source that brings a wide array of knowledge from experts in the staffing industry, sharing their thoughts on where the industry is going, specific areas of staffing, talent, marketing, recruitment, sales, and more. I'm Larry Hemley, president of S.J. Hemley Marketing, and I'm excited to launch our podcast with our special guest, Kip Wright, CEO of Genuine and Talent Path, a division of Genuine. Kip, with everything going on in the world right now, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks, Larry. Glad to be here. So let's jump right into it. Today, we are discussing the ever-growing talent shortage and how it can and is being addressed. Kip, let's kick off with telling everybody a little bit about your background. Can you kind of share with us? Yes, Larry. Thanks again for giving me the opportunity to share some of my thoughts and insights on this topic. And as far as my background, I have been in the staffing industry now for well over 25, 28 years. If I do my math correctly, it's somewhere in that neighborhood. <laughs> Actually came out of college. I'm an LSU Tiger, so uh, I'm still celebrating our national championship. Uh-oh. But came out of LSU and immediately went to work for Ernst & Young in the accounting and finance field which gave me the entree to begin to see some of the inner workings of how a company manages its operations. So that was kind of my initial exposure into the business world. I was very fortunate enough to find a, an IT staffing and IT solutions company in Houston, Texas, a company called BSG, which gave me the opportunity to move directly into the industry side and to see how services companies support their clients and in particular at BSG, support their clients with technology-related solutions. Along the path of my career, I've had the opportunity to do everything from running finance organizations to running acquisitions of various staffing companies and working for clients, companies like Core Staff, Metamora Worldwide, Comsys, Manpower Group, and now recently running my own company at Genuine. So I've had a a really stored career, and that's been in virtually all sectors of the space, light industrial clerical staffing, admin, finance staffing, technology staffing, solutions business, even workforce management, as I was fortunate enough to build a contingent workforce management company called TapPen along the way. Excellent. So you've got a tremendous background in staffing. So, I mean, what made you stay in the industry? Yeah, Larry, it's interesting because you never – grow up saying you want to be in a staffing executive. You grow up saying you like to be a doctor or a lawyer or a firefighter. The staffing is never used in that equation. For me, what was most intriguing about the staffing industry is the value that we give back and the benefit we give to those that we support. Our clients obviously helping them to fulfill their business objectives, whether that's on a temporary basis or helping them to evaluate talent that they might long-term hire into their organization. And for the individual consultant or associate, the opportunity to help them find their next job, whether that job leads to full-time, whether that job helps them along their path of gaining the experience that they want for their long-term career goals. Either way, you're, you're doing something very beneficial, and you're putting two parties together who need and who benefit from that connection. And that's why, for me, staffing has been such an important piece of my life and has kept me really engaged. I completely agree. I mean, so, but you've run so many different organizations in the space. How has that shaped your knowledge and understanding or current philosophies with how you run Genuine and Talent Path? I think that's an interesting thing. First and foremost, let me address the different industries I've had. The fact that I've been able to run a light industrial clerical staffing organization gave me the exposure to a very different pool of 
resources into a very different type of work, provided me the exposure and, and the understanding and the sympathy or empathy, so to speak, for the challenging nature of those types of job opportunities. And so recognizing that it has a very different impact both on the company that they're working for, but also the individual and their very specific livelihood. You look at careers or or skills like finance and accounting or technology, IT staffing, you recognize that the type of opportunities that are there are very different. There's a much more intense focus on the individual skill sets than on the availability and the reliability of the workforce. Quality becomes a very different issue. And for the consultant, what becomes really important is benefiting them on their career path. How does that next job, how does that next logo that they'll be working for truly enrich their ability to continue their career, to improve their earnings potential over time, and to work for companies that they feel are going to benefit them personally? Well, by the way, I'm going to throw a loop at you, but you actually created your own blog about leadership and leading right. Just tell us a little bit about what made you kind of go down that road. Yeah, you asked the question about what made me create Leading Right and the leadership blog. And it's interesting because I've always been one that's a student of leadership. That, Like any good leader would do, I read intensely and continuously and try to absorb as much as I can. I develop philosophies along the way, philosophies that have been shaped by some of the best cultural leaders, people like Simon Sinek and some of the best strategy leaders like Peter Drucker and Michael Porter. You know, all of those things have shaped how I look at business strategy, how I look at culture and how I look at forming and building an organization and frankly, managing, managing um, individuals and the impact that that has on their own personal journeys. And so for me, leading right was an opportunity to share some of those insights. They are insights meant often for an individual or a group of individuals that I knew no need to hear that message. They are not intended to be strictly about business or leadership in a business context. They really relate to the whole concept of leadership as an individual, leadership leading groups, leading organizations, leading in your own life and how you fulfill it. And so for me, Leading Right was the opportunity to do that. Really pleased I get to share that through a virtual medium on a fairly frequent basis. Nice. You know, so today the world is changing and the reality is that we've all been dealing with a staffing shortage um, or a talent shortage, depending on who asked the question or who makes the statement. But so why don't we just kind of talk about that buzzword? You know, what is the talent shortage and why does it matter? Yeah, it's interesting. And I want to just qualify this as we dive into this topic, because literally, as we speak, we are in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis And so clearly, the concept of talent shortage when we're confining individuals to remote working, to smaller groups, when you're starting to see the potential for employment to be impacted, uh, certainly in industries like airfare, hospitality and leisure, oil and gas, all of those are going to suffer some challenges in the short term. And so we have to kind of keep in mind that talent shortage is a much broader, longer term concept than it may be an acute issue at the moment. So let's kind of look at it at a broader context. And for me, the concept of talent shortage is that as organizations look to find the right individuals with the right skill sets at the right time for their business needs, oftentimes there are fundamental challenges that prevent them from doing that. That could simply be the number of resources that are out in the marketplace and available at any point in time. And we had been benefited up to this point from 
incredibly low unemployment rates, since there's clearly that's going to impact that. Two, you can look at talent shortage from a long-term perspective, which says, okay, I know that industries are creating the demand for these types of skills in the workforce and that that demand is going to be uh, systematic and will continue. And then you look at the at the ways in which talent is being developed to meet that demand, you know, the educational systems, the trade schools, other things like that. And if there just aren't enough of those resources, that, that issue of talent supply becomes even more prevalent. I mean, think about this again with the with the shift towards a lot of online shopping, virtual shopping, the availability of commercial drivers, drivers that can drive these large rigs across the country and deliver the goods for virtually every organization that's selling them, Amazon, Target, Walmart, you name it. That's a talent shortage. You can look within the technology space and see that with the rise of technical needs, with the emergence of cloud, the emergence of mobile, with the focus on big data, the need and the consumption for talent uh, in the technical side is immense and universities aren't producing enough of those resources. So when you think about talent shortage, you look at that on a macro basis and you recognize that there are, and while we're in an interim period of time where that may not be the case, there will always be significant challenges in certain areas when it comes to talent. Well, like we were talking about before, the shortage right now, we're in a kind of unprecedented time period, but the reality is, is it always comes back. And when it comes back, it's going to come back quite vigorously. Regardless of our current time period, I think talent shortage will always be something that we look at in the staffing world. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I would I would absolutely agree with that. I think if you look back historically with any recovery, yes, you generally have a sharp downturn. 2001, 2002 time period, 2008 time period. You know, you look back even further than that. There are always periods when the drop is fairly significant. But you can always look several years beyond that, and the increase is disproportionately more than where it was prior to the drop. So, yes, I think if you look at the cycles over time, clearly talent talent shortage is going to be an issue that we'll be stuck with for a long period of time. Absolutely. You know, you currently run an IT company. So tell us a little bit more about the specific shortages in IT. Yeah, it's interesting. I alluded to that earlier with my answer to the prior question. But when you look at some of the trends in technology, and I mentioned them with things like cloud computing, mobile, pushing a lot of information, commerce to the individual consumer from that perspective, it becomes really important to have the types of enterprise level software applications to be able to do that. The number of transactions, uh, the measurement of everything and anything from information on social media all the way through to transactions, how you consume, what you buy, provides us an immense amount of data that organizations are beginning to mine to look at and see how they can use that to improve their business outcomes. So I don't think, and I could I could go on and on, but I think the the point being is we are clearly seeing a digital and a technical revolution that is continuing to change how we as consumers buy, it is changing how organizations plan, it is changing how organizations distribute and actually sell their products. And so the consumption of technical resources has increased at a pretty significant rate. So let's just take the U.S. in particular. I think a couple of years ago, Accenture did a study on this and noted that at any point in time, we've got well over a million unfilled IT roles in the country. That's a pretty staggering number. And then you take into account that as an economy, we have been producing a, a net new increase 
of over 200,000 technology roles every year. So uh, adding to that one to 1.2 million deficit that's already there, every year we're adding another 200,000 to it. Now, what's been able to balance that? Well, a couple of things. Universities collectively across the country are producing and graduating somewhere around 80,000 MIS and CIS graduates that have technical degrees. Um, In addition to that, we previously had and currently have, I should say, although it's been modified, a remote or a foreign worker policy that allowed us to bring workers in under H-1B and similar types of programs. You could bring in 65,000 and up to another 20,000 that had master's or equivalent degrees. So that was another 85,000, but even that 160, 165,000 net new technologists that are being created within the country to fulfill 200,000 net new jobs. So that deficit accumulates over time and it's continued to get worse. And in fact, within our company, we certainly saw that back in 2017 timeframe, we were noticing that trying to keep up with the demand finding the the right talent in the marketplace that frankly just wasn't there. And once we found those resources, being able to get the clients to move quickly enough to act on that talent before that talent chose other options, in which case they had plenty, that was becoming a real challenge. And that's part of the calculus behind where we have uh, led the company today. And we talk about the traditional models, and you mentioned obviously the universities and H-1B and things of that nature. What are the traditional models in the marketplace? Well, there's a number of different traditional models in the marketplace. The fundamental model out there that uh, most organizations use is they go out, they develop their own internal recruiting team, a recruitment organization, and they um, scour the market and look for opportunities to hire talent directly into the organization. Secondly, the entire staffing industry has emerged as an alternative or a solution to helping companies to do that. And most staffing firms engage on a contract as needed basis. And so an organization can work with a staffing company and say, I need to find this resource with this level of skill set and I want that resource for six weeks, six months, nine months, whatever the case is. And there are offshoots of that uh, where companies can engage staffing firms to not only do that on a temporary basis, but on a full-time basis, recruit permanently. And then um, even more so, you've seen the emergence of new solutions like recruitment process outsourcing where service companies build out the recruiting process within an organization and help them find that full-time labor. So contract, full-time, all of that is part of what I've always espoused is looking at your workforce in a much more holistic fashion and beginning to plan your organization and recognize the benefits and the values and the challenges with each of those various engagement models and to find the right blended solution for you. Where we are today, however, is that those traditional models may not be enough, particularly when the talent simply isn't there. Whether or not you have an internal recruiting team actively going after that, an outsourced recruiting team, a staffing firm, if you're still drawing from the same pool of talent and that pool of talent is insufficient, it's not going to meet the needs. And I think that's really where traditional models start to show gaps that other models are going to need to fill. So why are they falling short? The availability of resources is pure and simple. I mean, in many, in many situations, and you know, I'm going to take technology because that is certainly where we are focusing our attention. But if those resources simply aren't there and they're not trained, trained adequately and they don't have the right skill sets, the right technical skill organizations are looking for, then organizations have two choices, at least in today's model. One is go without or two they have to hire a resource without those skill sets and they have to develop those skills, train those skills themselves. 
Well, you mentioned the universities and the educational system. And, you know, so quick question for you. I mean, how are they contributing to the challenge? Yeah, the interesting thing about the university systems, and I want to be very careful, they are an invaluable part of what our society and what business relies upon. And so when I talk about some of the deficiencies in that network, you know, in that infrastructure, so to speak, it's not because they aren't producing some measure of quality. I think the biggest challenge that universities have today is the speed at which they can react. And conversely, the speed at which skills, education, technical expectations, when you talk specifically about MySpace, is moving so quickly that universities can't pivot quick enough to do that. I mean, our old institutional model is that you go your K through 12, and then you move into higher education, and that higher education is very specifically structured to your associate four-year uh, bachelor's, five-and-a-half, six-year master's plus. But even within those, they are very general skills. You're going and getting a BS in accounting or in business administration or in finance. Or even if you go into the technical side, you're getting an MIS, Management Information System or Computer Information uh, Systems degree. They can only train you generically on the types of platforms and the type, types of skills that they know you're going to universally need. But when it comes to very specific needs, like I need someone who has Tableau visualization skills, knows to how to use the Tableau platform, or can come out and program very specifically using .NET or Java in a cloud environment, the universities haven't built for that. And so that presents a gap that exists where companies are looking for very specific skills at a very specific point in time, and the universities haven't been able to get them that last mile. And that's where my focus as of recent has been targeted to. Well, I know we're all looking for different solutions to address the talent shortage, but what are some of the new models emerging in the space? You're seeing today uh, more and more the willingness of organizations to look at hiring, to look at engaging resources that might not be as fully qualified as before. So before I kind of get into where we are moving, let me just kind of talk in the traditional models. Perfect. We already are seeing in our traditional staffing world where companies are coming to us and saying, I know I needed this level of experience and this level of expertise. I'm willing to go a little bit lower. As long as they have these fundamental skills, we can teach them that. So you're seeing a willingness of organizations to shift their approach and to hire into qualified talent, but maybe not as qualified as they were hoping for. Maybe it doesn't have all the bells and whistles. And I think that's kind of the first, so to speak, step or change that fundamentally has emboldened us to make some of the changes we have. I think the second model is where you're beginning to see the emergence of kind of secondary, very specific training programs, boot camps, if you will, that are helping to bridge that gap between where traditional higher education ends and where workforce employers' needs begin and how do you bridge that. And so everything from technical boot camps to driving schools to anything that, you know, might be in in any space and any skill set. And I'm going to keep focused on the technology side because that's where we are. But you're certainly seeing that boot camps to do data visualization, boot camps to do Java, boot camps to do cybersecurity. But in these models, the benefit is that they're getting the very specific training. The challenge is that those students are paying additional tuition to attend that, continuing to build their student debt and often have to do that on a part-time basis because they have to find a way to fund their own studies. And and so often that means one or two part-time jobs. 
Well, I think that's a great lead in to my next question, which is what is Talent Path and how is your company addressing the shortfall? The concept behind Talent Path was exactly along that path, which is we're seeing in the marketplace that if we were to spend more money on job boards, if we were to add more recruiting resources, if we were to go and just spend money and centralize operations and create maybe sourcing and screening functions, we're still tapping into the very same pool of talent and we're still fighting for the same resources. And so we had the choice to say we could either be part of the problem or part of the solution. Talent Path is designed to be part of the solution. So what it does is we looked at all of the new emerging models. We looked at the fact that employers were beginning to recognize they would hire less experienced resources so long as they had the fundamental technical skills. We looked at the fact that these boot camps were adding value. They were bridging that gap, but that they had deficiencies in and amongst themselves. And so we said we're going to create a model that addresses all of those needs but does that in a more constructive way. And for a staffing company, it's a little bit different because in Talent Path, we literally partner with universities. We find and recruit and hire their top qualified graduates. That does not have to be in a technical skill set. It could be in other STEM degrees, but they have to have both the fundamental training from a business and from uh, an understanding of business and, and how organizations work. But they have to have those fundamental skills. And, you know, frankly, we look at their cognitive abilities. How well can they learn? How well are they going to be able to learn new technologies? So we hire to those profiles. We literally pay them full-time, 40 hours a week, as a traditional fully benefited employee. We take out any need for them to have secondary or third employment while they go through a training. And they are, in fact, trained by our organization in an immense three-month technical focus. And it is in various technology stacks and those stacks that are in most demand for our clients. Once they complete that technical training after three months, they are put out on long-term assignments with our clients with the opportunity to go full-time at a certain period of time. So this is a new model where a staffing company takes the risk, makes the investment up front, does not charge the clients for that training, does that under a traditional staffing model with a slightly longer engagement expectation before conversion to allow them to recover that investment. But if that model is done, it is much more cost-effective for the clients. It creates the resources that don't exist in the marketplace and a firm like us is able to do that financially and still, you know, meet our operating numbers. Well, I would suspect that both the educational arm as well as the client base appreciate approach like this because it gives them an opportunity to, first of all, on the education side, to ensure their graduates are all getting jobs in fields that are productive. But it's also giving employers an opportunity to be able to find resources that they might need to be a little patient with, but not a lot, but yet also are getting that financial benefit of bringing in a more junior level position. Is that about accurate? Yeah, I would say that's exactly the case. Excellent. So, Kip, with all that said, how is your approach different? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked that question. I, I think for us, what we're trying to do is fairly unique. We are trying to continue to operate as a traditional staffing firm that brings to our clients those types of experience roles that they often need. And even in a model where you're creating new talent with new expertise, uh, but lack in experience, you still need experienced leadership, experienced management to guide those individuals. And so the ability for a firm to come to us and say, I want to 
put a team together. I still have needs up in the leadership level or in this level of experience, but I also want to be able to tap into a newly experienced workforce, a newly trained workforce. It's the fact that we're bringing all that together that makes it somewhat unique. There are firms out there doing this talent path model and what we kind of call the higher train deploy approach who have gone 100% focused on that model because it is very difficult to do both. And there are plenty of staffing firms that have tried to do this talent path type offering and have realized that the investment costs, the upfront costs are quite considerable and they've vacated those efforts. And so the fact that we're balancing both of those and growing both pieces of the business is an important element that distinguishes us. And with our background in marketing, I'm just kind of curious, what directions in marketing are you going with trying to attract the talent, trying to attack the educational institutions and the employers? So let's take those kind of two, three, <laughs> two or three buckets, and uh, I'll take those each separately. First of all, to attract the talent, we've got to make sure that our offering truly does benefit those individuals, both financially as they go through our program and then long-term in terms of launching their career. And so, you know, to, to do that, yeah, you spend a lot of time on marketing. You, you're putting out a website that creates visibility. You're tapping into various press and other media that advertise to or that communicate to. You're, you communicate your story to the type of audience that you're targeting, which leads to the second that fundamentally we want to, if we want to find newly experienced resources that are starting their career, the best place to start is with the universities. And that can be students that are still working through their degrees, and it can be graduates that have left the university in the past year, two, three, four, or more, um, surprisingly, um, and have looked back and said, I, I really wish I had taken my career in this direction, and I want to do that. So partnerships with universities becomes very important. We do assign recruiters that pair very closely with universities. They literally establish a presence on campus well beyond the traditional career fairs. They're there weekly. They're meeting with placement specialists, both in the career services as part of the university, but also very specifically within each of the colleges that exist on those university campuses. And so that involvement, that hand-to-hand working relationship, building and establishing the brand and creating a better understanding of what we do. And that's leading to things like weekend or weekday sessions, information sessions that we may host with students, tapping into various clubs, various organizations that are on campus, and then tapping into their alumni network and using advertising to create awareness of it. On the client side, yeah, I mean, it's a very simple equation. You've got to have business development resources that are out there working with clients. Those resources are very different. They have to be able to communicate with management, senior management, because this is not a transactional sale. This is much more of a strategic sale. And so you've got to be able to talk to business and the technical talk along with the concept of workforce solutions. And so that is really where we're focusing our effort to create the demand. And I think from public relations to direct marketing to digital marketing, you're kind of covering the gamut on on trying to reach your audiences. Isn't that about right? So, yeah, I mean, if you and I should be respectful of the role that you play in this because you've (laughs) helped us to shape. You literally helped us to launch the Talent Path offering. And so you did that and we continue to do that through a number of different ways. And obviously creating 
your digital footprint, your digital brand, you know, through websites and through the messaging that you communicate on the websites, that's important. Clearly, you've got to have an entire social media campaign where you're creating awareness of that. You're sharing that throughout your organization. Your organization is sharing that. You're providing substance content that is meaningful, that is beneficial to the constituents that you're marketing to, whether that's students, whether that's clients. And so there's an entire effort behind that. There is a true benefit from a brand perspective that comes with establishing credibility through the media. And so a a PR campaign where you have some of the notable media, some of the notable organizations, associations, uh, trade mags, if you will, that are talking about your product becomes an important piece of the puzzle. So clearly we are doing all of those things. Excellent. Well, Kip, thanks again for sharing your time and insights. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. I'm sure everyone in podcast land will think about the ways they can be addressing the talent shortage and the overall impact to their businesses. I'm Larry Hemley, president of SJ Hemley Marketing with Kip Wright, CEO of Genuine and Talent Path. And this has been Staffing Real.